It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Professional Homegirl Podcast. I am your host, Ebony, and as we conclude our spooky series, what better way to embrace the Halloween spirit than by diving into the fascinating realm of aliens, UFOs, and all the mysteries surrounding them? Join us for a captivating conversation with a seasoned ufologist on this special episode starting now. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. To my guest, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm okay. I'm nervous, but I'm excited to be here. Oh my God. Why are you nervous? Because I am an introvert. I mean, a serious introvert. So I I do social settings and I can be very sociable, but it is not my favorite thing. So, (laughs) and being out front and, you know, it's uh, that's hard for me. Listen, by the time we're done with this conversation, it's going to feel like it's two homegirls just catching up. <laughs> Don't be nervous. I'm, I'm with it. So how did you become interested in ufology and what motivated you to study UFOs? Well, I've been fascinated by UFOs since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I always felt in my gut that there was something to it, that there was something, you know, more than just crazy people making things up or, right. you know, um, I know there's some of that, you know, in the phenomena, but I felt like there was a kernel of truth, even when I was a child, mm-hmm. as I got older and, you know, I had a family, I had full-time job and was, you know, in college, I couldn't really focus on that. You know, I was so preoccupied with making life go. Right. But I reached a moment where I had, you know, finished my degree and I really wanted to dig into it. And to be honest, everybody uh, bashes ancient aliens, but I'm going to tell you that really um, sparked something in me. What is that? That Ancient Aliens is a show, a series. Uh, Giorgio Sukalos is the host of that show. And um, he explores um, ancient sites, ruins. Um, like he looks at the paintings on cave walls and the carvings and um, looks at things like origin stories. And mm-hmm. he has a series that has been going for many years. And so, oh, wow. um, yeah, he explores all this these ancient philosophies and um, ties it to the UFO phenomenon. And that was fascinating to me. Yeah, so, I can tell this is your shit because you you just light up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so what challenges or obstacles do you ufologists face when conducting their research? And how do you address these challenges? Well, to be honest, I don't do a lot of uh like investigations. I'm a mm-hmm. member of um MUFON mm-hmm. and I'm a field investigator for MUFON and I, you know, really watched ancient aliens for years and then decided that this was something I wanted to dig into. Right. I started looking, you know, I I always explain to people that to me, it's like a puzzle. And you know how, when you're putting together a puzzle and you've got all these pieces all over the table and you start scooting similar pieces and, you know, one section of the colors together. Right. Yeah. And you, then you start putting that little section of the puzzle together. And then maybe a different section has a little put together before you know it, you can start putting sections together. You know, you might find that one piece in each section that, that fits and you start piecing it together. That's kind of what I've done. Um, and my first thing was to start looking at um, the phenomenon itself, just wanted to look at different sightings. And I started researching all of these sightings, what happened, what was the story, and trying to filter out who, you know, and this was one of the biggest challenges, who's making it up, who's yeah. who's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's one of my questions, but go ahead. And what really, you know, what are the ones where something really happened? What are the credible sightings? That was fascinating to me because I started to see a few fascinating things that couldn't be explained away. Um, Mm -hmm. They couldn't, you know, call the person crazy or, you know, maybe it was a group of people that saw a sighting. And I, you know, it was sometimes military personnel that had an experience. Those were the things that sparked me and made me go I need to dig into this. And I and I felt not just I want to dig into it because I want to be a UFO researcher. I don't necessarily need to do that. I'm I'm a professional. I'm accomplished. I'm established in my career. I don't necessarily need to do UFOs to establish a career. But I feel like there's something important for humanity to know about this. And that's what drives me. Um, the, mm. the challenge is people think you're crazy when you tell them I've researched UFOs. That's one of the challenges. <laughs> right. Um, one of the challenges is, again, to sift through all of the sightings and um, be able to 
ascertain the ones that seem credible. You How do you differentiate between the two? Well, you get things like um, some of my favorite sightings that really made me passionate about it and dig deeper into this was mm-hmm. um, a sighting in um, Virginia, Brazil, where oh. a UFO crashed. And I forget what year. I think it was in the 80s when this happened. Um, it may have been further back, but I believe that was in the 80s when that UFO crashed. And there were beings that were running around the city as if, you know, they were injured or, you know, just didn't know what to do after their craft. You talking about like aliens? Mm-hmm. Beings. Nah. Yeah. And the reason I find it to be credible, because that sounds incredible. It sounds like, yeah, right. Do people have pictures of this? They don't have pictures. There, I think there was a, um, there's an artist rendition, like a drawing of the being, one of the beings, because there were three little girls that saw this being crouched down next to a fence. And they talked about the stench, the smell, everywhere this being was, everyone talked about the, the odor. And I don't know if it was its blood because it was injured oh from the crash God. or, but it was hunched down and it seemed afraid. Um, from what the little girls indicated. Um, a lot of people in that city saw these beings. A lot of people saw something come down and then saw the beings. So I find that to be extremely credible. And then when the um, there was a wow. documentary made, and when that documentary was made, the documentary maker found the a gentleman that saw the wreckage when it happened. And he took the man and he had the man actually take him back to where the sighting happened, where the wreck happened. And that's the thing that really shook me was when that man realized that he was in the spot because they spent some time looking for the spot where it happened. He said right. he was here. There was a fence. There was a house. And then they decided to go further down the road and they found the fence and they found the house. And the man who is a bit older now broke down in tears. Wow. He stood there and he said, this is it. This is it. And he started to well up with tears and it all just, it took over him. And he was very emotional about it. There are people, um, there was a soldier that reportedly- That is crazy. Yeah. Took the alien, put it in his car and drove it away. Like the, a military officer. Um, he came down with some sort of um, infection right after that and died. What? So what happened to the other aliens or beings? Did they catch them? They apparently spirited spirited away, two of them. And, um, you know, I don't know what happened to them after that. But again, at the hospital, there were reports of the, the very strong odor. And I find that one to be pretty uh, credible. And that is the kind of thing. There was a sighting over O'Hare Airport. I think that was the very first one. In Chicago? One. Mm-hmm. Nah. It hung Not over sure. Gate C and it Not um, aliens and O block. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Right. <laughs> Ain't no way aliens going to Chicago. <laughs> they did. And I, I can't say it was aliens because most of what we see in the skies is man made. I've mm-hmm. learned that through all the research that I've done. So um most of it is mm. probably advanced technology that we are in possession of. And um, very little of it is actually otherworldly. Man, you got my wheels going. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. No, it is. It definitely is. So have you faced any challenges being a black woman in this industry? 
Because I told you this before and I told other people that works in this industry, it is very hard to find any woman of color, let alone a black woman, to speak about this. So how difficult has that been? Or is it difficult? Um, well, I guess it I is. hesitate to I know I hesitate <laughs> to speak y'all. on it. And the reason I hesitate to speak on it is because it um I I don't want to jump to it being about race. It may not have been the things that I've experienced may not have been about race, but I've had some very oddly um abrupt um treatment when I approach people to uh let them know what I do which is cartography. I don't run up and say, hey, I research UFOs. How can I be down? No. Um, generally, what I want to do is use data analysis and cartography to help find patterns in this phenomenon. Right. I initially thought that that was um, really important. So I approached a couple of different groups that are out there doing serious research and was met with a weird um era of how dare you talk to to us how dare you even approach me mm-hmm. that kind of thing um has happened to me and that was surprising it. i believe it i didn't and i didn't because at least one of the groups said hey this is a grassroots movement we take all you know help and volunteers and we need people mm-hmm. we need people to help and i thought you know what i've got this skill i can use you know to help and i want to offer that and to be met with that kind of, you know. Yeah, I um, can tell when I asked you the question, you, you got a little triggered. <laughs> I'm not triggered. I'm a, not, I think I, not think to I say was you hurt. Feel a, yeah, I, not to say you in a bad, like you felt away, <laughs> but like your feelings was hurt. Yeah, it was. Because I really feel um, strongly that this phenomenon has a huge impact on humanity or can, should and will if the truth ever comes out right and i i want to help bring the truth out and i i don't like the fact that the truth is being hidden so whatever skills i have to bring to the table to help bring the truth out i want to do that and but every time i've approached serious groups with it i've been met with that um i oh another challenge this is a more lighthearted challenge mm-hmm. is that um lighting a black woman on a on a film set is interesting because I found that I looked a hot mess in the documentary that I was in. Um, oh, I was in um, Aliens, Abductions, and UFOs. Yes, the hair and makeup was fried. And I'm going to tell you something. I did my own hair and makeup. They didn't have a hair and makeup person. I thought I looked good when I left my hotel room. Yeah, you got to get a sister and be like, come on now. this <laughs> Let me help you out. I thought I looked so cute and I signed her down there. I was ready to record. And when that thing came out and I saw how I looked, I could not believe it. And you know so, what it is? It's the lighting too. The lighting in our room yes. and stuff is completely different than on set. Yes. Okay. So I had to learn that the hard way. So now there's a documentary out there on what I consider at this, you know, stage in the game, national right. television. And I feel like I look a mess. So well, I'm let like, me let me you. do another one so I can look right. Let me tell y'all, our guess is she looks good. <laughs> I ain't going to disclose her age, but she looks good. She I is. don't mind. I don't shy away from disclosing my age. I'm proud of my age. Okay. Cause she's, so, <laughs> she's somebody grandma out here, y'all. And she don't yes. look like nobody's grandma. <laughs> she look like she my age, y'all. I'm totally a grandma. Two times. So how has it been with you being in groups now? Like, or is it maybe you should start your own group? Is that something you consider? 
No, actually, you know, MUFON has completely accepted me. I will give MUFON that. I know mm-hmm. that there has been some history in MUFON of um, racism within their ranks, but that has been some years back. And I haven't experienced anything like that at MUFON. Yeah. Um, they were enthusiastic about using my map skills and GIS analysis skills, but there are challenges with the um kind of the antiquated system, the database that they use. And I hope that they're looking to update that because the data- I can only imagine. Yeah, the data isn't very usable in its current state, the way that we're able to download it. Also, there's the challenge of, um, I think a lot of groups are afraid to release their data set. And there's a, there's a, I think there's a trust issue because you've got this massive data set that you have accumulated over many, many years and you hand that over to someone, not 100% sure if you can trust that individual. Yeah. You know, that could be damaging. I'm, I am not that person to release someone's information. So, you know, but I get it. I get the concern. I mean, especially Um, for a topic like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's that. And so I haven't really gotten a lot done. Um, in the way of analyzing MUFON's data set, just because of the challenges with the the state of the data, you right. know, not being what we can use. Yeah, I so they have a policy of not, they store like coordinates, but they don't necessarily store the exact coordinate of where the sighting happened. Right. So mapping is all about location. If I can't have the location of the sighting, then it it, then I'm at the state level or the county level where I can just show you that there were 25 in this county, sightings right. in this county. There were 10 abductions or, you know, over a certain time period. But I can't show you with specificity the kind of patterns that I'd like to look for in a UFO data set. Right. So I think there's a lot that can be found. I can only imagine how um, archaic the equipment is that, that they use. it. <laughs> yeah, the database is, is antiquated. It really is. Yeah. I was surprised. I think I was kind of not surprised and I was yeah. surprised, but you know, I'm a member of American Mensa as well. And mm-hmm. I've done a little bit of work in with their, um, their database of members mm-hmm. to kind of show them the pattern of where their members are located. So right. that was nice, but I also found that, you know, there's antiquated practices in that organization. And that's just a thing. It's just, I think it takes time for these organizations to catch up. And yeah, yeah. So I didn't correct me if I'm wrong, but I also feel like people who are in these organizations have been in these organizations for a very long time. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of hard to teach an old dog a new trick. Yeah. When new blood comes in, it's hard to make that transition. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. But then that runs new people off, too, because they come in and they go, oh, my God, you know, they're so behind the times and, you know, they don't necessarily stick around. Right. So. Right. So what are some what are some common misconceptions about UFOs that you encounter that you would like to clear up? Um, I don't I think some common misconceptions are that one, I think society has a fear of UFOs. I think there's a narrative that's been pushed because of movies that, you know, the alien attack, and alien think invasion. I think people are afraid, but I think it is, um, it, I don't feel like there's a reason for them to be afraid. I think that movies have sensationalized the phenomenon in a way that is very negative and toxic. I don't think that's really what we're facing is alien invasion and alien attack. I don't think that's a thing. Really? Really? But we know who's going to be friends when they do come. 
<laughs> I just um I just think that after everything I've looked into, it appears that they've been visiting the earth for a um, very long a time. Very a very long time. Yeah. They don't have an interest in destroying us. I think they really have more of an interest in observing and maybe tapping us for resources. There are other things I could get into about that, but I think that um don't hold back now. Don't hold back because you, you got our attention. <laughs> the desire to come down and attack humanity, I don't think is a thing. Right. I'll say that the rabbit hole and the puzzle pieces all over my table about the UFO phenomenon have led me to, you know, from the sightings themselves, which I dug into to see what, you know, what were the credible ones. Right. But also looking at government secrecy. Mm-hmm. Why, why would they be hiding that? What are the motivations for I them? I have a question about me? that too. Yeah. But that also led me to, well, let's say the government comes out and says today, yeah, you know, UFOs are real. Um, we've been communicating with the aliens for many years since the 1940s or 1930s. And, you know, the questions that we're going to have are, well, okay, that that's interesting. So how long have they been coming around? Because why we don't know this? Why don't we know this? Why is this secret? Um, and as soon as we find out that they've been coming to the earth or they have been here, maybe I say coming to the earth. I'm not sure I'm prepared to say that they are from someplace else. Right. Now there's that. They could be from here. I mean, we see a lot of craft that are what they call transmedium and they, they can go from air into the water and you got my you mind know, going. There could be bases in caves underground that we yeah. can't access. We have not you know, explored our oceans, you know, and we don't we don't know what's down there. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You know, just doing research and because I read about any and everything. And one of the things or one of the theories that people are saying is that um, aliens really want to help us with maintaining Earth. And now it's like, oh, it kind of makes sense if they are from here because this is their home. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible that they are not extraterrestrial, but they are actually from here and we're here before us. Right. That's possible. It is possible they're coming from someplace else. They're interdimensional and they can, you know, travel at at speeds that, you know, we don't understand. Um, So are in, you know, travel in ways that we don't understand that allow them to travel over distances. And I say distances, it it may be warp into our space without having to just travel a linear in a linear way like we would think of it. Right. So let's say if aliens are trying to help us. Why do you think they kidnap people? 
I think that aliens, if alien abductions are happening, right? There's a theory that um, I believe it was Eisenhower that had a meeting with um, the One aliens. Of the yeah. Yeah. And, and made some sort of agreement. I don't know how true that is, but there's, you know, that theory that he made an agreement that they could abduct, um, humans in order to, I guess, for DNA, for reproductive things, you know, purposes in exchange for their technology. I'm not necessarily, I'm not a hundred percent convinced of that, but the things that I ended up getting to in my research, I ended up tying all this back to ancient religions, Mm -hmm. the Sumerians, Sumerian tablets, Mm -hmm. realizing that our Bible comes from Sumerian tablets, but it's been changed. You know what's so crazy? I feel like, because I don't share my questions with any of my guests, I feel Mm -hmm. like you had access to my questions. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Because I wish I did. I would have paid for your question list. Because the way you are hitting each question, I'm like, nah, ain't no way. Like, I know I'm good, but this is too in sync right now. But go ahead. Well, I mean, you look back at these ancient religions, you look at the ancient Sumerian tablets, you look at the creation stories. And the creation stories from many cultures around the world suggest that the gods and i'm using air quotes when i say gods right that the gods created humanity homo sapiens in order to serve them in order to um to so that would involve us mining gold uh quarrying you know rock or you know things like granite and um uh, bringing them food and serving them. And we were to be of service to them if you rely on what the creation stories say. Right. The Garden of Eden in the Sumerian tablets discuss a pen where we were being held. And it appears that they were civilizing us and that we weren't the only living creatures on the earth, which we see that in the Bible. The Bible right. talks about Cain and Abel and, you know, um, I think was, was it Cain that, no, it was Cain that killed Abel mm-hmm. and Cain was banished from the Garden of Eden, according to the Bible story, but he went off and married uh-huh. someone. The Bible would lead you to think that the only humans were those that were living in the Garden of Eden. Mm. He gets kicked out and he goes and he gets married. Who did he marry? According to the Sumerian tablets, um, he was, and his name was different in the Sumerian tablets, but he was kicked out to go live with the uncivilized ones. Mm. So it seems that this pen, which was the Garden of Eden, was being used to civilize humanity. And they were teaching them things like laws and, you right. know, how to how to be civilized, which suggests to me that what they were doing is mixing their DNA. I don't think they ever created life mm. on Earth. I think they were taking they were using Earth like a DNA garden. Right. So right. whatever life was here, they were mixing their DNA with it until they got something that resembled a, a species that could be intelligent enough to work for them right. and take orders and strong enough, robust enough to do so. Mm-hmm. That's what was happening. What's your religion background? I'm just curious. I am 
not very religious at all. Yeah, I'm not a religious that. person whatsoever. But mm-hmm. and I, I've always been um, fascinated. I believe in God. I believe there is a God. I think we've got it all wrong. I think that Christianity, which is what my family was growing up, um, I couldn't ever understand how you could go to church so many times in a week. Right. You know, and be on the usher board and be on the choir and be, you know, going to Bible studies and all kind of, you know, meetings throughout the week and come home and treat each other the way that, you know, my family would treat one another. Right. That was um, even young. I never understood how that it it never gelled with me mm-hmm. and it just didn't make any sense. So from, I ended up getting, getting saved. No, my mom is my family. My whole family came from Ringo, Louisiana, mm. but they all came to Kansas city when I was a baby and that's where I was born and raised. So, but yeah, we're from Ringo. So you say your mom ended up getting saved. Yeah. I ended, I ended up getting saved when mm-hmm. I was about 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And it still didn't sit well with me. Mm. And then I went through a phase of fist in the air, black power, angry about racial, you know, tensions and right. you know, the social situation for black people here in this country, socioeconomic yeah. situation yeah. for us. Um, so I went through a phase of joining the Nation of Islam. And um, oh, I, wow. yeah, so I have a lot of respect. I ended up leaving and it, ironically enough, the thing that made me leave the nation of Islam was, you know, a lot of the views that they have about the honorable Elijah Muhammad and master Farah Muhammad being on the mothership. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. And it didn't make any sense to me. The religious part of it didn't make enough sense to me. None of it did, but the social side of what they do is incredible. And what they believe in and stuff. I still have a tremendous amount of respect for the nation of Islam and what they, what their philosophies are, because I believe that if black people were to live by that, Mm -hmm. we would have saved ourselves from a lot of the, you know, uh, pains that we went through, especially through the eighties Yeah, and you know, the, the prison pipeline and the war on drugs and the destruction of families. I don't think any of that would have happened if we had gone by dollar within our community. Yes are just behaving the way that women should behave in terms of, and I don't want anyone to get mad and say, what do you mean how women should behave? Oh, here we go, y'all. I don't mean subservient because that's not what the Nation of Islam teaches. They they teach that women are valuable. Mm -hmm. Women should be, um, women are intelligent. Women should be educated. Um, And generally that men should treat their women like they are their high counsel. Yeah. You know, you're at the right hand of the king. Yeah. There are these traditional gender roles, um, but at the same time, women are valued highly and prized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that that is a, a beautiful thing, especially looking back over what we went through in the 80s, just seeing our families ripped apart Yeah, in a way that we hadn't seen before, even post-slavery and you know, Jim Crow, our families were together and we stuck through it together. Mm-hmm. But 80s hit destruction. A little fun fact about me is, so I'm obsessed with Malcolm X. Like he is one of my heroes. And I used to love listening to his speeches. Yes. Like I me used too. to, I feel so moved. The one about the ballot or the bullet. I said, nah, yes. Malcolm, that's it right there. 
That's it right there. That's it right yes. there. So yeah, I totally agree with you on certain things that they believe in. Cause I do like, I'm not Muslim, but I do. I feel like if we have a set of um, principles that we all follow by, and especially some of the principles that they believe in, I think yes. our community would be in a way better shape than it is now. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, they want people yeah. to learn about science. They want people to be well-read. They want pe- women, men, everybody, children, you know, educate yourself, know about know the circumference of the the planet and the distance to the sun and the yeah. you know be resourceful they, oh my goodness it's it's incredible yeah the, the social side of what they do um the religious side i i don't necessarily agree with and right there's some um discrepancies about the way that you know leadership kind of goes about conducting right. things and i won't dig into that but um you know i had my concerns so I ended up walking away from that. Listen, we if it's one thing about the podcast, the professional homegirl, we're going to take you to class. We're talking about God. <laughs> we're talking about geography. Yes, everything. Religion. Malcolm X, listen. <laughs> I love these kinds of conversations. Yeah, me too, me too, me too. It's so um, insightful. Yeah. So what do you think is the reason, or what do you think is the purpose for UFOs or just aliens? Like, what do you think that origin come from? Because I feel like there are so many different reasons why they are here. But what do you believe in? Well, I think it does go back to, um, I'm not going to call it the creation of humanity or homo sapiens. I'm going to say it goes back to the development of humanity. Yeah. And the purpose for developing humanity appears to be to have served them. And they were um, presenting themselves as gods. Mm. So that is um, an interesting piece of this. And what I've learned through, I'm going to drop the name Paul Wallace, the fifth kind um, YouTube channel. He teaches a tremendous amount about the Old Testament and how it was changed. And the way it was changed was so substantive. Mm. It changes the entire meaning of what happened to us and why. Mm. Because what they did is they conflated many gods, air quote gods, into what looks like one God. So they were pushing the monotheistic thing. And um, so they took all of these gods that were acting in the Old Testament and made it look like this was our God and one God. And that's not what was happening in the Old Testament. So um, that changes the meaning. Yeah. <laughs> of every, all world religions, um, all religion, it just um, makes us lose sight of what the truth is and what the true nature of God is. Because when you look at the Old Testament, you've got a God that says he's a jealous God. Right. You got a God that, that doesn't sound right. You got a God that was violent and genocidal and angry and ready to murder entire cities, kill them all, kill the kids, kill the... Does that sound like a beneficent, wow. merciful, benevolent, loving, turn the other cheek God? So what do that we Christ present to us? What can we believe in? Well, I think that um, when you look at the ascended masters like Christ and uh, Buddha, and you get to the source of where God is, and you mm. always end up being led by them back to. Um, light and love and um you know raising yourself to that that higher level and conducting yourselves 
at that higher level. I think you really get to the source when you listen to the Ascended Masters teach about what God is Mm. and what that higher power is. Christ was bringing truth about God. Right. And it's interesting because um, part of the one of the rabbit holes and one of the puzzle sections was near-death experiences for me. I, when I realized that it's possible that ancient beings were developing us as a species to serve them. Right. Then my question became, so we have the technology right now to go out and do a, you know, develop a clone or meld some DNA together and make a new species. Right. We could do that right now. My question became, what populates that that body? What agreement or what, you know, was there some sort of agreement with the creator to populate this body with a spirit? Mm. So that's something I'm looking into. And I've been told that there are some answers about that in the Atrahasis. I hope I'm saying it right. Mm-hmm. And um, um, other holy, holy texts. And so I'm doing more research into that. I'm not going to speak on that because I'm not well versed on it. But right. that came up for me like, OK, so there's the topic of the body. And there's the topic of the spirit, the spirit. and they're two different topics overlapping, but very different. So I started looking into near-death experiences because I'm like, okay, so let's talk about this spirit. Why Are you ever had a near-death experience? I have not. Okay. I have not. Okay. I but thought that's I, what you were saying, but okay. No, no, no. But I've looked at so many of them because mm-hmm. in my data brain, I'm going, what's the same in all of them? There's a lot that's different amongst them, but what is the common thread in all of them? And so that should teach us something about the spirit that right. populates the body and the things that they say that seem to be pretty common in all of the near-death experiences is that we choose to come here. We choose to come here. We choose our lives. We choose our parents. Really? That's what a lot of them say. Not every single one of them, but a no. lot of them are saying we choose our life. Now, are they saying this? Because I that's one of the, that's a topic that I really want to have on the show is someone who experienced a near death um, experience because I think that is that is like <laughs> beyond it fascinating, is fascinating. But do they get this information from um, either speaking to the beings or speaking to God or um, going through the Akashic records? Well, they don't ever mention like Akashic records. What they mention is that they leave their body. Some of them see their body. They, you know, Mm -hmm. are in the room. They go through the hospital or whatever building they're in and they see their loved ones. And um, then they go up. Sometimes they go upward and there's a there's a tunnel. Sometimes there's just instantaneously they appear, you know, with the light. There's always this light. Right. And this light is is loving and warm. And sometimes they see relatives, sometimes they don't. Um, But, you know, sometimes they learn things and they're being taught things about why they were here. Right. um, And they get to decide whether they a lot of times they get to decide whether they come back or not. Sometimes they're told, no, you got to go back. It's not your time. Mm. And that is absolutely fascinating to yeah, me, this common is- theme of love. And it goes back to Christ and Buddha and all of the ascended masters that teach, you know, peace and love right. and that whole turn the other cheek. And that sounds more like the God 
you know, that we that we're familiar with in Christianity. And I'm not a Christian. Right. I am. I'm not any religion and I'm not against any religion either. I'm I'm accepting of all religions and mm-hmm. wherever people are is where they are. Right. But that concept of love and light is what Christ was teaching. And that's what everyone that has a near death experience, almost everyone mm-hmm. tends to talk about. There are a few that say they go to the lake of fire and they but not very many. Most people go to the light. Man, imagine begging God to stay because you don't want to come back home and pay bills. <laughs> You're like, please, God. I know, right? Like, God, please don't make me go back. And Earth a lot of people, ghetto, please. A lot of people say that I don't want to go back. Don't make me go back, please. Wow. They beg to not go back. Some people, and they're made to come back, but they're told that um, I think that the lesson, the lessons we gain here evolve our spirit. Mm -hmm. So even though the body and the spirit are two different things, they're overlapping and they affect one another. We can't be sitting up there in love and perfection and learn a lot, you know, about navigating, you know, um, any, any kind of difficulties, right? You know, there doesn't appear to be difficulties there, you know, in that realm. So you have to almost, I call it, it's a, it's a deployment when you come to earth, you get deployed to earth, and you you get to experience this linear version of time because there there is no um, linear version of time. Everything can happen instantaneously all right. at once. You can see previous lives, you know, other existences maybe that you've that you've had. Um, there's some of that that happens, and um, it's mm. it's fascinating. But I don't know. So you believe in <laughs> reincarnation. I do now after, uh, and it's crazy how this UFO thing led me through all of these yeah, topics and yeah. back full circle, right back to religion. Like how did UFOs lead me back around to my faith and religion? Um, I believe in God. I believe, um, I believe that God is light. Mm-hmm. I believe that when I leave this body, that I will go back to the light. I believe that we are all a part of the light. We are a piece of God's light. We yeah. all carry a piece. We are light beings. Well, God is in all, all of us. Yeah. And we are all one. Yeah. To what you just said, we are all one. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I don't know. I that believe that too. We're not aware of it. A lot of people are oh, aware. No, not these niggas. <laughs> and it's, it's a beautiful thing when a person yeah. becomes aware that they are pure light. Yeah. I believe that we are all here for the greater good. I feel like we all Absolutely. have a purpose and I feel like that's the, like, what, what do you call that thing? The butterfly flex. So if one person do something, I feel like that offset a lot. Yeah. Yes. A so domino it, effect. Yeah. A ripple. I definitely Absolutely. believe that. I believe that. And I think that we're here to learn um, and we take those lessons back with us to the spirit realm. So I, you know, sometimes I feel down. I like everybody, you know, right. you have some problems and you feel down. I always stop and ask myself now, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. You got to get grounded again mm-hmm. because you're forgetting who you are and what you are. Right. Why are you here? What is your purpose? Um, and if I'm a light being, then my purpose is to spread light. Mm-hmm. Whatever I do through my day, through my life, that is the mission is to spread light in every way I can. Right. So I get back into that. And when I get back into that, that gets me grounded and I get back on my mission. Like, how can I spread light today? 
AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. 
is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And you know when you're on your mission, you can feel it. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like I know I'm mm-hmm. in my purpose. Like, I feel like like I'm, I'm, well, we both talked about how we were tired, but like, I feel like when I'm working on my business or like having conversation with, with women like yourself, like I know this is my lane, like, because it feels good. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. You, Yeah. And you're good at this. Yeah. this it feels like you're really good at this and you, um, it's given you Oprah? just have a passion for this. Hmm? Is it given Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> Oprah is a, is a animal alter all by herself. She is a, a force. Yeah. But I really think you're good at this and I'm honored to, that you invited me on the show. Thank so you. I, I get it. I feel like I'm, I've stepped into my purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of. I feel like I know what my purpose is and I've I've stepped in it as much as I can, given the limitations of this society right. and this this life in this body and this linear experience of time that I'm experiencing. Right. Um, there are limitations, but you you try to touch your purpose the best way that you can. Yeah, that part. When I was little, my mother asked me what I want to be when I grow up. I wanted to be a veterinarian mm-hmm. because I love animals. I didn't want to really be a veterinarian. That's the only animal job I knew. Right. But I wanted to work with animals or I wanted to be in entertainment. And Doing those what? were my, I thought I wanted to sing, but I realized later singing ain't my thing. <laughs> I'm, I mean, <laughs> I'm not that good at singing. Let's be honest. How about I, sing us a little tune? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> You're not getting me like that tonight, Evan. <laughs> but I tell you, I think my um, I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday or day before mm-hmm. yesterday that I think my talent in music was that I have a great ear. Mm-hmm. I have a good eye. I used to um, a friend of mine pulled me into artist management and taught me, you know, that side of the, of the music business and right. um, taught me about record deals. And, you know, um, I really dug into artist management. And mm-hmm. I'm good at um, looking at a person and helping craft their image, mm-hmm. um, hearing songs and knowing what is what works and what doesn't in a right. song. I think I would have been a great A&R rep. I mean, it's never too level. late. I think it is at this point for that. For that. But I have a, I, you know, it's not, I'm, this, I'm the kind of person, I'm like water. Mm-hmm. You know, if one path is blocked, I reroute and I, I try to find another route that I'm just as passionate about. Mm, I so. like that analogy because I love water. Water like recharges me. So I got to steal mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Be like water. That's a Bruce Leeism. Yeah. Be like water, my friend. And yes. that's powerful stuff. Just reroute. Yeah, reroute. It'll figure, it'll figure itself out. That's right. Now, we spoke about the equipment. So were you able to determine um, any patterns or trends? When it comes to UFO sightings, such as like locations, times, or types of witnesses? No, I was never given real access to any data that would allow me to glean Mm. a pattern. I had some great ideas for it. But since then, I actually have learned that maybe that isn't something I want to do, believe it or not. Wow. Because when when I learned that most of what we see in the skies is 
probably man-made, then I lost interest in analyzing that data. Because if it's all man-made and secret, what's the point? Then then what are we doing? Right. If it was extraterrestrial, even a majority of it, even half of it, mm-hmm. then I would say, let's let's look at the patterns because we can sift out what looks man-made and what behaves man-made and what is what seems more ET. We can glean these credible sightings, but there's a moth back there. Yeah, um, I'm like, we, wait, I'm like, is there something is, else? I've had all kind of little things flying around. I'm like, I'm like, she don't see this. I'm like, oh, I see shit. it. I'm just like, look at him. He's trying to be all in the interview. I'm like, I know we didn't um, make contact off this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think there's a point in gleaning the data with the man-made piece of it um, being so prevalent. Right. I don't think, I think the data is polluted at this point. I think what's more important mm. is, and this is another challenge, is that when you hear our government talk about the UFO phenomenon, what they're saying is that it's a threat to our national security, mm-hmm. that they don't know what it is, which that's debatable. Right. But what they know is that it's a threat to national security. Mm. And that is bothersome because it sounds like what they're doing is they're putting out a narrative to get us ready for the possibility of like that alien attack, alien invasion story, which there's a theory that the government has been planning to actually stage a UFO, like not an invasion, but, you know, something big with UFOs that a, a UFO would come down and, you know, there would right. be this aggressive, hostile, you know, event. And so they're going to be dressed called, up as aliens? Hmm? They're going to be dressed up as aliens? I don't know about that. I, I would say that supposedly this is something that a theory that's called project blue beam that there's something called project blue beam that um is some secret plan to stage an alien invasion um type event by the government and i'm not sure about how true that is but right but i think it's interesting that the sightings are always couched in you know it being a threat right and i i think that there's a better way to approach it. You know, if you've got other beings that are coexisting with us or visiting us from other planets and other, you know, um, universes or wherever they're coming from. Right. That's an opportunity for um, to realize that our our existence isn't isolated and that there is a community of beings you know, out wow. there, a very large community of beings and that it's time for some diplomacy. But that's not what's being said. What's being put forward is there's a threat right, to our national security. And it, I, I will say this, if there was a threat to our national security truly and they wanted to attack us or destroy us, that would have happened by now. Mm. They certainly have the technology to get to us well, or yeah. be here with the, and be undetected mostly. So, so why they, hasn't they, it happened? They outpace us technologically. Right. Why would they not have already taken us out if that's what they wanted to do, if that was the agenda? Right. You know, I was watching um, an old show of um, Oprah Winfrey, right? And she mm-hmm. had this lady on there and this, she was white. And the lady was saying how she was abducted by an alien and Oprah was like, oh, okay, so what does it look like? And the woman was describing it, and she was like, and it was black. So Oprah was like, oh, so it's black people in space, so we good. So, do, And the only reason why I'm asking this question, because not only is it hard for me to find 
women like yourself in this industry. But I also feel like, and maybe it's just me, and you could probably speak to it more. I feel like a lot of black people that have never can, can speak to this. I think that's not necessarily true. Okay. I actually um, was involved with, uh, there was a friend of mine who is um, a, a black guy. He has a podcast and it's gotten to be pretty popular. He's gained some traction. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started off on Clubhouse and then it migrated over to YouTube and mm-hmm. his channel has really gotten big. And he really started to champion the idea of black people being able to speak up. There's a mm. there's sort of a stigma in the black community because a, there's a few things happening in the black community with the UFO phenomenon. One, people don't speak up if they see something. Right. Um, two, they, they just don't feel like they can they can talk about it. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure what all the reasons are for them thinking they can't talk about it, but there's that idea. And then there's Christianity that's so prevalent in our communities that people deferred often people say, Oh, those are demons. Right. You know, I have a question about that. Like, do you think the existence of aliens would have implications for religious beliefs? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Bigger than we can imagine. Mm. I will say that because Again, if you go back to the ancient Sumerian tablets and if we're if we just wake up and look at where the Bible comes from, where that actual text of the Bible comes from, then we we go right back to those Sumerian tablets. Right. And if we just read the Sumerian tablets, read them. And there are books that compare the verses of the Bible side by side with the same verse Mm. in the Sumerian tablets. And we'll see that there were many gods, that the Garden of Eden story wasn't, you know, the way the Bible depicts it. So she didn't we eat the apple? See, there was no apple. Yeah. <laughs> there was no serpent. Unless, Here we go, according, to the, according to the Sumerian tablets, there was Enlil and Enki. There were two brothers that were there overseeing this i'm going to call it a project to civilize um humanity and they were kind of at in battle about how much the humans should know how intelligent they should be so i think one of them wanted us to be a little more intelligent and to have you know access and the other was not wanting humanity to be like the air quote gods right not they didn't want them to know enough to become like the air quote gods. So there was this battle and there was a lot happening, but those two brothers are key to a lot of what happened. And right. even the flood, you know, that is talked about in the Bible and in the Sumerian text, which is very different in the Sumerian text. There was again a battle between the two brothers, mm-hmm. one wanting to give um, some intel about the flood that was coming and tell them how to build this craft Prepare. that would save, you know, um, humanity. Mm-hmm. And the other brother saying, no, let them all perish. Wow. And then them actually fighting after the one brother finds out that the other brother gave, you know, some of the humans intel on how to save themselves. It's interesting because you've got. Um, a group of people that landed supposedly on Mount Ararat in a, a vessel and repopulated the earth and began 
civilization again. And there's actually some uh, archaeological evidence being uncovered now Mm. that alludes to those civilizations that may have been taking root, you know, as a result of those people that came off that boat. Man, this this is deep. It's pretty fascinating. So I feel like I already know how you feel about the government when it comes to UFOs. So when you, how did you feel when you, um, when you found out about them finding E.T.'s cousin? What do you mean E.T.'s cousin? Because didn't they find an alien or they show like pictures or something? I don't, I don't remember seeing that. Really? It was like recent. It went, like everybody was talking about it. How recent? Like weeks. No, I didn't see that. I've been so busy working. I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't read the entire article and I saw glimpses and pictures of it, but they found the remains of what looks like to be an alien. Really? Yeah. I'd like to know who they is. We we always want to know who they is. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and I'd like to know more about this. I'm going to have to do some digging. Yeah. That's fascinating. Not the student teaching the teacher. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was just like that whole sighting that happened in Las Vegas here some months back. You remember when yeah. that happened? Yeah. And at first I was blown away by that. And then I quickly started to see like, mm, that doesn't make enough sense to me. And it just, it didn't ring true to me. Mm-hmm. So then, at first I was blown away. So do you ever believe in any of the cases that involve potential government or military? Yeah, absolutely. Like all the sightings that, you know, that they have, have recently aired, you know, like um, the, um, the Tic Tacs that they've seen and, you know, yeah. I, the Nimitz, the USS Nimitz sighting. And, um, you know, I, I think that is actually legit. Yes. Right. There's a lot more happening with the military and government contractors that we would be in shock about. The American public would be in shock about. Yeah. I attended a conference that um, Dr. Stephen Greer had um, held here in July in Washington, D.C., and he had witnesses that um, basically testified to some of the activity that goes on that is above top secret. Mm-hmm. And some of that activity is is nefarious using um, alien. And I'm going to say the word alien. Um, I hesitate to use that word, but alien technology. Um, and supposedly we have this technology and have had it for a very long time. Since Eisenhower. Some, well, some when we have so I don't know how long, but some extremely advanced technology. You would be shocked at the technology that we possess. Mm. And the ability to stage an, an alien invasion is nothing, com- you know, given the technology that we currently possess. Right. So there's a lot that our, I believe our government is doing, has their hands in. Absolutely. And the question then becomes why? Yeah. I also feel like the government is preparing us for something. And maybe it is the alien invasion because I feel like now there's a lot of shows out there that's talking about aliens or ufos or things that we just can't um we can't speak of and i feel like i'm seeing more of it and i'm like what are they doing Hmm. i think it's interesting i don't think they'll ever tell us the truth i think they're preparing us for something and but i'm i i lean toward believing that maybe there's something that will be staged in order to enact some sort of um global control Right. Almost a police state, you know, um, 
that kind of thing. So if there was an alien invasion, you know, you could easily enforce everybody stay in, everybody, you know, there's a curfew, there's an emergency. So, you know, in this state of emergency, there's tighter controls and stricter, you know, rules. Right. So that may be something they're trying to get us ready for. And I say they, not as in our government, because I believe there is a by the people, for the people, people. you know, government up to the president. Mm -hmm. And then there's other powers above the government that we don't know about that the president doesn't even know about. Mm. And that is the side of it that I'm referring to when I say the government and they um, may be preparing to stage something and having possession of technology that we'd be shocked about. I think, I'm, I'm going to jump to what I think. No, tell me what you think. Come on, give us a hands up. <laughs> I think the fact that the ancient texts point to humanity being created for um, to be in servitude is exactly where we are right now. We are in servitude. When I go to work every day, <laughs> we work for, you know, um, a fake currency. Yeah. And then they possess the resources and the currency. They possess all the things that we need. So we go give them back the currency in order to get what we need. And everything is priced so high. It's priced all the way as high as they can get it high enough that we won't stop buying it. Mm. So everything's always priced all the way up as high as they can get it. Right. And, and we still purchase it. So in essence, we're always tight because everything is always, you know, just right up to the limit of what we can afford. Mm. So it stands to reason that, you know, it's hard to save. It's hard to prosper. Um, it was never designed for us to prosper. It was always designed for us to, to be work. in financial in servitude. And it switched from physical labor to financial servitude um, with the industrial revolution. And that's where we are. So when you go buy a pair of shoes, somebody's getting filthy rich off of selling shoes and it isn't us buying it and it isn't the cashier and it isn't probably even the store right. uh, owner, um, but it goes higher up. And that is uh, what's happening with everything that we need. I think we're in financial servitude right now. And I think that's the way it's always designed to be. It was always designed to be. Right. I think the people at the very top, the power elite, will never allow the truth to come out. Because once you find out you're a slave, mm. that messes everything up. This is not like, you know, American dream. That's not what this is. Yeah. This is get in, debt, yeah. Yeah, get in debt to us. Because we need to get richer and richer and richer, and we need you to stay in your place and continue to work. Mm. That's what's happening. So the truth about UFOs will never come out because there's no advantage to telling us that we're slaves. That's what it boils down to. We're in servitude. Wow. What would be the benefit in that? Right. If the 1% um, controls everything and has most of our resources, resources that belong to everyone, are in the hands of 1%. Mm. What is the advantage of them telling us the truth? There isn't one. You think there is beings walking amongst us? I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I know there are theories that there are, but honestly, I'm not certain. I can't even speak to that. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me after this conversation. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not sure about right. that one. 
last but not least, how do you see the future of ufology evolving and what potential breakthroughs or discoveries do you anticipate? Wow. It depends on the next moves that the government makes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there have been these hearings and there are some truths that are coming out. I question whether these are calculated releases of information to build the narrative, to control the narrative. So I think it just depends on how much more of that truth comes out and whether or not they're going to, you know, divulge any of it. I can't imagine they would, to be honest, you know, because again, it goes back, it's going to tie back to the reason for the secrecy, the, how that all serves the power elite. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reason there's, um, illegal, um, black government projects above what the people authorize with their money, why Mm -hmm. so much of our money disappears into these black budget projects. It's our, it's our money. Right. You know, a lot, a lot of money disappears in these black budget projects. I think people are lining their pockets and um, the future of ufology will depend on whether they end up staging some sort of invasion or whether the truth comes out and that um, illegal government above our government mm-hmm. is shut down. If we have the the wherewithal and the power and the, you know, the the government that we know about and authorize and fund actually gets on this and exposes that, that, that black government, right? then we may be able to, to have a breakthrough and get to some truth if that happens. Right. As it stands again, I think the power elite has their hands all over this and either um, there are agreements in place to continue to build their wealth And there may be some, if there are aliens walking among us, there may be some agreement between them and the power elite. Mm. You know, if the whole purpose in creating us was to serve and the power elite are getting filthy rich, I think there's a tie there. And I just don't see this changing at all. So the future of ufology, I think it's great to talk about and people keep digging. And I kind of have been pessimistic about whether the truth will actually come out. I mean, we've been lied to about everything else. <laughs> Indeed. I think I think our solutions will be tied to going inward and getting to the the heart of what those ascended masters um teach us. Right. We need to understand that these bodies are not really who we are. Mm-hmm. That we are beings of light and to me, that's the biggest thing that we've got to we've got to remember. This is a slave colony. Earth is a slave colony, in my opinion. Oh, yes. And but our spirits are here to learn something from the hardship faced here and to take that back so that our spirits can evolve. Right. Because if I not, you're going to come back again. <laughs> you're going to come back again. And I think we've got to focus on being a source of light and increasing the light so that mm-hmm. when we leave here and we go back to our true selves, then, you know, we can take those lessons with us. You know, we can be greater in spirit. Listen, this was amazing. I feel like, I mean, I feel like you took us to history class. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you fed my spirit. Like, I feel like you have a very (laughs) common voice. You was very knowledgeable. Like, I really enjoyed this conversation. So I am so thankful that was able to introduce me to you because... 
this was like everything. I am too. And I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, wanted to talk to me mm-hmm. and um, I'm grateful that gave you my information. She's fascinating. Yes, what she, she does, the whole paranormal thing. Is, yeah. uh, I've never touched on that, but that is amazing. Yeah. And I think there's some overlap between oh, the yeah, extraterrestrial for sure. phenomenon and the, and the, you know, paranormal thing. I think we misunderstand that phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that's with the whole, like you said, with the um, black people and religion and demons and stuff of that nature. So I agree. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yes. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And um, to the listeners, if you have any questions, comments or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at the phgpodcast.com. And until next time, everyone. Later. Good night. Take care. The Professional Home Girl Podcast is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. And you can connect with me on social media at the PHG Podcast. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.